It began with the J.L. Hudson department store in Detroit, Michigan, in Woodward Avenue. Completed in 1946, it had 33 levels, five basements, a main floor, mezzanine, second floor through to 15th, and upwards and onwards until you actually got to level 33. It remained the tallest department store in the world until the 1960s. Today, nine out of ten of the world's largest shopping centres are now located in Asia, with more shopping malls than the whole of the US. As the mall becomes a lifestyle experience with ice rings, aquariums, gyms and even helicopter landing pads, they've shot up to the sky. The 160-floor, award-winning Burj Khalifa Tower building in Dubai should emphasise just how essential a modern-day lift is for trade and business to flourish. When construction began in 2004, its planners proclaimed it would be the largest shopping mall in the world. No department store could exist without the elevator, the lift, taking us and our shopping vertically to the top floors. And retailers use them too to transport their merchandise. Today, lifts and escalators work side by side to transport shoppers from floor to floor. The disabled and the elderly are most in need of lifts and in many countries, retailers now have a legal duty to provide them. Retail Contribution Fact File The multi-floored department stores, shopping centres and outlets that we shop in today couldn't exist were it not for their elevators. They keep customers moving quickly, reliably and efficiently through the shopping environment and speed the distribution of stock. Constantly being refined, they've become ever faster and smoother to cope with today's fast-paced retailing. Even the Romans and the Egyptians had lift-like devices, hoists or pulleys which lifted things up. It took a royal commission in the 17th century by Louis XV of France, who wanted a counterweight lift for his wife, before passenger lifts began to take shape. But he needed the advent of steam in the 19th century to advance these designs further when lifts began to be used to move goods in bulk in mines and factories. In London in 1823, two architects... Burton and Homer built an ascending room to give paying customers a panoramic view of the city. Then in 1835, Frost and Stutt built the Teagle, a belt-driven elevator with a counterweight. Sir William Armstrong, in 1846, invented the hydraulic crane for use at London's docks for loading cargo. It used Pascal's law for leverage. Over in the USA, Alicia Graves Otis of the now-renowned Otis Lift Company demonstrated the first lift in New York in 1854. Move on a year, Otis had clinched the first order for a passenger lift, or elevator, as he called it. On March the 23rd, 1857, the first Otis passenger elevator was installed at 488 Broadway in New York City. In 1854, Thomas A. Weston of England invented what's called the differential pulley block, which gave lifts greater power. 
the same principles of design are still used today. In 1876, the Yale Lock Company took over the rights to the pulley block and began production. Ten years after making the Yale Triple X Spur Gear Block Hoist, yes, the name that really trips off your tongue, Yale had become a recognised leader in industrial hoists. But the first electric elevator was built by Werner von Siemens in 1880 in Germany. In 1890, the Shaw Electric Crane Company was formed, improving crane design and giving fame for its devices, which had gears and control. During World War II, both Yale and Shaw box cranes and hoists were essential to production. Even though our elevators have got faster and more luxurious, they still work on the same basic principles that they've always done. Gone are the days when a man or a woman in a uniform used to press the buttons and ask us, which floor do we need? Unless, of course, you can afford to stay in the very expensive hotels and shop there too.